0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minimans standing at the ready to fight once again for that last refuge of freedom on Earth. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here in the house for Thursday, the 21st of April. And it almost feels like the end of the week. I will be out tomorrow, so we'll be taking an extended uh, weekend. But we have a lot to cover today. It, when I look at Florida and everything going on, that's what everyone's talking about, it reminds me of the first time I came across people who just discovered there was actually treatment for the virus. Man, Daniel, you, you mean we don't have to you know, worry that we're going to have our... Blood oxygen level just drop hopelessly and we wind up on a ventilator? You you mean you could really treat it? What, huh? That's what I'm seeing politically with the 800-pound gorilla in the room, and that's Governor Ron DeSantis. It's like we've been lied to for two generations that this is the best we can hope for. Just vote for the lesser of two evils every election. Vote for the -the run-of-the-mill jerk Republican that doesn't stand for anything. Oh, no, you have to just downplay your views, do this milquetoast business in the hope that you can maybe staunch the bleeding a little bit here and there, but actually exacerbate it. Because if you ever got out to the public our real views, they would reject it. They're embracing the left. There's no way to fight them. And then the last generation, when, it, when they started to take over corporate America and not just take it over, but use that as the, as the blunt instrument to enforce the cultural Marxism, man, there's no way you could fight that. Whatever big business wants, that's what they get. And that's where it's at. And then we have the Florida governor that has upended every single Republican consultant's prognosticating view of politics really, since Reagan. And you look at him and it's maddening because then you realize, indeed, we can have nice things. Indeed, we don't have to take this anymore. Indeed, we could actually fight for what's right, implement it, draw more people to our cause, not just rally the base, but grow the pie, and actually win politically as well. Ron DeSantis is the ultimate control group on the big lie of the phony conservative movement and the phony Republican Party, and he's just getting started. So I want to extrapolate today on what we can learn from him and kind of use that thesis to view some of the other news of the day. But it is just amazing watching what we were taught is a winning issue and a losing issue totally be upended, flipped on its head, and that's a great thing. The question we should all be asking ourselves now is why don't we have that elsewhere? Why don't we have that in every local office, every governor, every mayor, county executive, a state legislator, but especially governor? That's where it's at. Yet, name me another governor that is like this, that wakes up every day thinking about us, what ails us and our country, families parents of school children, how to put lead on the target, how to make it happen, how to use power to confront power. Now, one of the issues that we failed at because we've always done this lesser of two evil thing is COVID fascism. And as a result of that failure, we now have hundreds of thousands of people dead and millions likely are headed in that direction. People are disappearing left and right. Okay? Okay. I hate to be morbid about this, but look, if you got the shots, um, you better up your life insurance coverage. That's why we're a proud sponsor of, or we're proud of the sponsorship of Policy Genius. Okay, they're not an insurance company, but they're a broker online where you could check by clicking on the link policygenius.com slash Daniel, the cheapest rates for your coverage that you need. So you're comparing apples to apples. Remember, having coverage through your work may not be enough. I found that it's usually, you know, you need five to ten times more, especially if you have a lot of children. Uh, it's it's not enough. A lot of people don't want to think about this, but it's better to put put yourself in order now because, believe me, uh, if you listen to Ed Dow, those insurance rates are going to go up given what is going on. Uh, Policy Genius doesn't add any extra fees, uh, they don't sell your info to third parties. They have thousands of five-star reviews across the spectrum. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance, placed $120 billion in coverage. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes of Policy Genius. It's very quick. Their licensed experts will help you understand your options and apply for a policy. The Policy team, P- Policy Genius team also works for you, not the insurance companies, right? That's the thing. So that's how they make their money, by placing for you. Um, and you could also you know, just talk things out with them. So they have a whole team it's on some empty, vacuous website. Head to PolicyGenius.com slash Daniel to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save on this critical, critical service. Okay, so what we're seeing from Florida is one thing after another. Okay, he comes back for a special session, vetoes the bill of his own party and then goes for a 20 to 8 GOP map to wipe out all the other ill gotten gains from the left with redistricting. Then he's like, you know what, we're going to go do um, take away Disney World's autonomy there in Orange County. You know, why should they get that special uh, carve out of anyone else? We're going to punish them for being a bunch of groomers. And, you know, this wasn't just a tweet, a threat, a nice talking point. Within a day, it was done. Boom. Passed the Senate onto the House today. Done. And then on that same day, the, department, the Florida Department of Health issues guidance opposing HHS on castration and saying that we don't recommend castration surgeries um, for, for, uh, for minors. Right away. Boom. So not only are we not going to use the Department of Health to promote the leftist stuff, as do every other red state Department of Health, we're actually going to be a counter to HHS. That's all for a a, a day's work. And there's so many lessons I want to derive from what you're seeing there. He's accomplished more than we've ever seen in my lifetime, and so much so that it's not just... You know, racking up political victories, but it's changing the political landscape. It's turning Florida into a deep red state. We were told, oh man, Daniel, you overplay your hand, you're too radical, you're going to turn people off. Remember, this is not Wyoming. This is not Idaho or North Dakota or Nebraska, where it's kind of a one-party state. Barack Obama did carry Florida. Okay, it was a swing state until recently. And yet, he's having his cake and eat it too. The more he pushes, the more he wins. And there's a number of reasons for that. Number one, it's the, it's the values. He actually believes in what we believe in. Then he has the intellect to pursue it, not get distracted. And number three is he knows what time it is. He understands the way you need to fight. The biggest lesson that I take from this is something I've been preaching since I began my career. Is that contra to conventional wisdom, where they would have you believe the less aggressive you are, the more politically auspicious that path is. Meaning, expend your political capital wisely, only do one or two big things... You know, go with the flow on the rest? No. What he learned is this: You take even these milk-toast Republican governors, and the minute you have they propose any like halfway pro-life bill or something, the left mobilizes, and they mobilize strongly. And then they always back down. What he's learned is to perfect the political version of a no-huddle offense in football where you constantly go from one play to another, boom, illegal immigration, COVID, you know, groomers, tranny surgeries, redistricting map that's going to wipe the Democrats off. Oh, and, you know, before you can mobilize on that, we're going to go after Disney. Not only am I not going to back down like every other governor did, like Christy Nome did with the trannies because of the corporations, I don't view the corporations opposing me as collateral damage, I view that as something to be embraced because they're changing the culture of our state. We don't want you if you're going to do that. We're going to make this into a sanctuary for our values. And what happens is the more you do that, the more you demoralize the other side, the more their defense can't handle your no huddle offense. And then the less they actually oppose it, they don't even know what to do anymore. And the more you win. And this is true for a number of reasons. Number one, because the other side is demoralized. They can't, you know, muster enough defenses against it. But also, there's something in the political psyche of people. People like winners. People are not principled. Okay? This is before we even get to the fact that the country, especially above a certain age, maybe they're not where you and I are, but they sure as heck are not anywhere near where the left is these days, and there's no reason we can't be holding the line on these. I'm not even getting to the values. Purely from uh, game theory, political theory, people are not very principled. People go with the flow. That's what we've learned with COVID. And that's how, you know, the pendulum with masks swung wildly from one direction to another. Okay, people don't really have, the majority of people don't have deep-rooted sentiments on the majority of the issues that we're confronted with. Some people do on some issues, but not the majority of people. The world is not Twitter- where you have mainly on the left but some on the right, like myself, that are engaged all day and really obsessed about every point and on top of every point. Most people are kind of living their lives, okay? They're aware of what's going on. They don't think too deeply about it. People actually respect a winner, They vote for what they know. They vote for what's common. And the more you create a momentum, the more it builds momentum, the more you go on offense and act offensively, the more you win. It's the same reason why, much to my chagrin, in primaries, people will always go with the incumbent unless you reach a critical mass name ID where they know the guy. Well, do you hate the guy or not? Do you like the incumbent or not? It doesn't really work that way. They go with something that they perceive as strong. So the more he creates a momentum that this is what we're doing and he's getting away with it, the more people are like, wow, I guess that's kind of right. That's where it's at. And this is part of the lesson that you don't sit and call your play, telegraph your punch and don't punch. That... That's what Donald Trump was. Trump was the antithesis of DeSantis. He would tweet about it, he would taunt the left, and then he wouldn't even do it. So they would mobilize their forces, you would agonize and debate about it, and then people are always scared of something new. Okay? But you go and do it, it's done. Wow, okay. I guess, I guess it's not so scary after, after, after all. People are, are, are scared of change. They're sca- scared of the unknown. So if you propose something new, okay, and you allow the other side to mobilize and then your side to sit and like you know, second guess themselves, it will never happen. Trump would always come from behind the bushes and start shooting but wouldn't advance and then the other side would mobilize. He stays behind the bushes and then when he's ready to attack, he goes full force and done. And then he goes to the next thing and the next thing. Do you know where DeSantis learned this from? It's not new. He learned it from the left. The left has done this all the time. They don't debate. They don't ask permission. They don't equivocate. They don't look at the statute. They do. We're not governed by the rule of law. We're governed by the rule of political will. And again, not that anything that DeSantis is doing is unlawful. You know, Quite the contrary. But I'm saying that they'll even break laws. Earth-shattering things. We're going to have people walk around in diapers mandatory the rest of their lives. We're going to put mRNA in their bodies. We're going to lock down. We're going to change every area of law, society, your relationship with humanity, your relationship with government in a matter of two weeks to flatten the curve. If they would have hung that out there and debated it, we would have been able to swing at it. But they, they just did it. So... Once it's done, people are like, wow, I, I guess that's that's where it's at. Seeing is believing. Now, intellectually it's not true. Just because it's done doesn't make it right. Just because you succeed at politically enacting something doesn't mean that it had to be done that way or should have been done that way. But in the eyes of most people, that's how they view it. Well, if it's being done, obviously must you know must be right. That's what he does. Whenever you come, I'm not saying there's never an issue and never a time to build consensus, but that's more when you're trying to roll back an established thing that, you know, the Great Society, FDR, you know, remake Medicare or something. Something that's been established for a long time. But the issues we're talking about that the left is doing, they're the ones doing the radical things, whether it's the biomedical fascism, denying treatment, whether it's illegal immigration, whether it's crime, whether it's the tranny stuff, that's not normal. You don't need to ask permission and build consensus. Just the opposite, you'll never get it. You do, and you keep doing, and you keep swinging, and you keep advancing. And the more issues you do it on, the more successful you are. Again, this is, this is the whole issue with, that the left does. We've been on the receiving side of this forever. We can't even catch our breath. It's like one thing after another. Boom, they kill us on the culture, the training stuff, invade our border, let out the criminals, send all our money to Ukraine and the neo-Nazis. Boom, COVID fascism. One thing, we, we don't even, I, don't, I mean, I struggle with this every day. I don't even know where the most important thing is every day. I mean, there's nothing more important than the right to live, which is why I've been focused on the biomedical fascism so much. But there's so many things they're doing that I haven't had time to get to that, frankly, I'm probably not even yet aware of and educated on, and I want to get educated on it. But the point is, that is how the other side is so, so successful at politics. And again, they'll do it even on extremely unpopular things and radical things, and eventually it does backfire on them. I'm not saying there's never a time you could overreach from the right either. But dude, we ain't talking about that. Most people don't want child molesters and groomers. And most people don't believe yet it's normal for a man to be a woman. Too many people do. You know, yesteryear, it would have been 1% of people buy into that. Now you will have 20, 30, maybe 40% buy into something. But that's America and that's politics. You need 51% to win. And that's what it is. But forever, the political barometer of so many people on the right has been broken. That somehow we have to put up with this garbage. And and, and again, as Steve and I were talking about on Steve's show yesterday, this is not being done in Wyoming and Idaho and, you know, the Great Plains and Alabama. It's being done in Florida. It's the third largest state. Lots of urban areas. Very diverse population. There's other governors that are taking on a lot more heat than he is. And another important lesson is... He doesn't talk a lot. He's very forceful and smart and articulate. And sounds like he's for the people... When he gets up there at a press conference. But he's not all over social media. A little bit here and there. He leaves that mainly to Christina... His, uh, his press secretary. And she's very effective at it. But he himself, it's never about him. It's never about making noise. He doesn't telegraph his punches. He just does it. Okay, he knows what time of day it is. But not so much to ingratiate himself with, oh, the latest talking point on the right. It's to do. What could I do? Not just to get good policy but to make the state a refuge. And the reason why the Disney fight is so important is because I can tell you, the biggest reason why the red states aren't red is because they're owned by whatever industry you have. We saw that with Amazon in South Dakota with the Tranny Bill and Christy Nome. You see that every day in Arkansas with Tyson's and J.B. Hunt and Walmart. You see that every day. I've lived this for 15 years of being one of the most prolific writers in America on illegal immigration. You have the urban you know, blue interests that all supported it. But then you had Big Ag. Big Ag is in rural areas. Rural areas are where you have the Republican rep- rep- representatives. They were bought into open borders. And endless cheap migration and even refugee resettlement. All because of the cheap farm labor that destroyed rural communities, brought in drugs, brought in criminals. They might work hard during the day, but they do other stuff at night. A sheriff once told me that. They arrest them for DUIs, drugs, have all sorts of issues with them. But it was all about the bottom line. The short-term hedonistic, oh, I, I want tomatoes for five cents cheaper. Meanwhile, there's other reasons causing inflation that are a lot bigger than just having cheap labor and destroying your civilization with it. But that's what it was. The albatross across our necks was always big business. And again, what DeSantis is showing is that big business itself doesn't even have to be this way. You have the Ben and Jerry's that were legacy leftists, but most of them, it was a pragmatic move, and I can't blame them. The left would, would go after you if you wouldn't do a certain thing. The right would go along with it, so why not? He is changing that entire culture that in Florida, no, here's how we're going to operate. We're going to be a pro-family, pro-values culture here. We're going to reward our friends and punish our enemies just like the left does. And I'm sorry, conservatives uh, sometimes feel uncomfortable with that, but that's just how it is. The die is cast. We have to play catch-up. Now, our other sponsor today, folks, is Patriot Academy. Time is is dwindling, and we don't have too many slots left. If you want to meet me and other members of this audience and learn how to shoot in a way that you've never learned, learn about the Constitution the way you've never learned, come join myself, Rick Green, and Patriot Academy and other Patriots in this audience out at the NRA Whittington Center in Colfax County, New Mexico on May 22nd for a five-day handgun constitution defense training course with the best instructors. It's family-friendly but you know rig- rigorous training, four days out on the range through Thursday. Um, you're going to learn how to shoot from a holster, proper five-point draw, had a clear malfunctions, grip, proper sight alignment, it is so much fun. It is nobody has ever been disappointed. So we'll have people that never picked up a handgun and you know a former NYPD cop in the same course and both of them gain tremendously. In fact, we actually have an NYPD retired cop that that went twice and he'll come back again cuz you could always get quicker and more accurate. So time is limited Um, Space is limited. Go to PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel. Again, PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel to learn more about the accommodations, where you could stay, the cost. Um, Spots are limited, so register today. But again, email me, Daniel Hurwitz, at at, uh, Startmail, startmail Startmail.com if you have any questions about the arrangements. Really looking forward to seeing you guys there. So folks, this is what it's all about. It's not just the sports bill. Oh, let's save female sports. No. He's going after the entire tranny enterprise. Going after their power, power structure. That's how to do it. He gets it. If you go back to the interview I did with him a couple months ago, you'll hear that. Um, on his own, he volunteered. He would go in and have a state deportation force if other governors would work with him. He understands what time it is. And that's the thing. You create the illusion of momentum. And the more momentum you have, the more you could succeed. I hate to say it, but if we've learned one thing about the sheeple is that people are extremely malleable. They'll do self-immolating insane things on a dime if they're told to do it. That certainly could work in the other direction for common sense. What I find interesting is the airlines were a bunch of Nazis. They're, they're the most demented Nazis that would literally drag a two-year-old or a you know, rape victim off the plane for not wearing a mask properly. And yet now they're almost celebrating. I'm hearing they're announcing almost like passively, aggressively taking rips. Not, not just did they get rid of the mandate, but they're taking rips at it taking, you know, um, making fun out of it because the left is complaining about that. And Delta announced they're actually reversing, you know, they put 2,000 people on a no-fly list to ban them, they're reinstating them. Because we've created the coolness factor. It appears that this is where the momentum is, is going. They're all very pragmatic in that sense. It doesn't have to be this way. I'm not saying we can get America back to the values it was founded upon. But the notion that we can have states much redder than Florida not drinking an ounce of this poison, whether it's the illegal immigration, the crime, the COVID fascism, the trannyism, the issues of our time, the woke control and censorship, it doesn't have to be this way. A lot of people note that I'm kind of negative and down but I think those of you who are mature enough to understand this show and appreciate it and have been listening for a while, you know I'm actually more optimistic than anyone else. The reason why I'm so ticked off is because I feel a sense of urgency. Most people on the right are blissful. They just think, you know, ah, you know, I'm, I'm here to make my money, have my show, get a million listeners, and do nothing with it. Then you'll have other people that are like, yeah, we're screwed. It's over with. I'm in the middle. I the reason why I am so upset. See, if if I thought it was all was lost, you know, th- there's a comfort in that. Because ultimately we understand outcomes are for God. But the reason why I feel the sense of urgency is because I'm I'm watching the left self Emily. I'm watching them being so radical and destructive. On the one hand, if we don't fight them, we're dead, literally. On the other hand, we've never had a greater opportunity. In politics, there's the pendulum swings. There's the rubber band effect. The more they overreach, the more we could strike while the iron's hot. We could accomplish so much now. Particularly when Biden's president. More so than when you have a Republican president. Because he's going to take all the slings and arrows. Everyone focuses on that. You can get in every one of these states... An amazing governor. You look at, at, at the, the landscape for governor. Everyone's focused on these Senate races. And, and again, there's some I understand. There's J.D. Vance versus the other guys in Ohio. And there's you know Alaska, the, the one running against Murkowski. I mean, there's races to look at. There are races to look at. And we'll try to have some of them on but governor is where it's at. That's the other big lesson from DeSantis. You get a good governor, you get the entire state, and imagine if you have five DeSantises, much less 1520. Not only do you have more sanctuaries to go to, but it will actually change the landscape federally too. It'll have a trickle-down effect. I would argue... That had we not been lied to about what was achievable politically, and we had governors standing for what's right from day one, the left would have never been able to get this radical and do so unchecked. But you look at at what's up for governor, it's endless. Alabama, Kay Ivey, a leftist, total leftist. I mean she 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 um ridiculed people that didn't get the shots and blamed them for all the cases what a lie that turned out to be there's so much data now that the new B2 versions are almost exclusively people with the shots and they're getting very sick cuz they have a wiped immune system Alabama we could do better there is a primary um as of now, uh, in my view, James is the best candidate, from what I can see. But there, there is a runoff there. There's a few people running. Alaska, Mike Dunleavy. He's one of the better governors, and I know the left and the rhinos are attacking him, but I think he needs to learn. Take a, you know, page out of DeSantis's thing. Don't just do a few good things and then act all act all. Uh, you know, bashful about it, and sheepish about it. Keep going on offense. There's no such thing as lukewarm hell. Arizona, Doug Duncy, he's term limited. We could do a lot better. Um, now, Ricky Lake, she does appear to be probably the closest thing we have to someone who knows what time it is. So I am intrigued by her candidacy. Not Ricky Lake, what did I say? That was a that was one of those talk shows back in the 90s. Um Carrie Lake. Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson. Total Democrat. We have Sarah Huckabee Sanders, a Trump, a Trumpy. Has she spoken out one iota about the injustices from Asa Hutchinson? Nothing. Horrible. Um there is someone running against her. It's going to be a tough, tough battle. Now, DeSantis himself, obviously, is up for re-election. You go to Georgia. Brian Kemp. That's the best we can do. Oh, well, Trump endorses Purdue. He's even worse. Lovely. Idaho, obviously, Brad Little. That's the closest thing we have to a guaranteed, um... You know, I, I look, I love Janice. I don't know if she, she's not quite on the... Um, I guess you'd say, you know, just in terms of the political savviness as as a DeSantis, um, but her her backbone and and is, is certainly there um, more than anyone. So she's running, and we have a whole slate of statewide uh, champions running, um, attorney general, lieutenant governor, secretary of state. This is where it's at. I'm glad more talk shows seem to be having um, Janice on. So we do have a prospect there. You go to Iowa, Kim Reynolds, yeah, I know she's regarded as one of the better ones. But really? I mean, come on. Kansas, we have a Democrat. It's almost impossible for her to win. I don't see a good candidate. Let me know if there is one. Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. Michigan is a great state that we could um, take over. Um, there are some, there are a few candidates that seem to be good Um uh, Garrett Soldano, um, you know, he was the one who really led one of the major groups fighting COVID fascism. I think there's one or two other candidates as well that some grassroots are supporting. Got to make sure you don't split the vote there because there's no runoff. So you have a few examples, but I don't see it. Nebraska, there, there's a term limited Republican there. Um, that's not great. I don't see anyone really. Nevada is is a lean blue state but that's really changing and does have potential. Um you do have um Joey Gruber who who he he works for the FLCC, he's he's worked, he's done legal work for the you know Patriot Doctors. So you do have him there but you have some terrible establishment candidates with all the name ID Chris Sununu New Hampshire. He has bad-mouthed Ron DeSantis privately. Um, He's horrible. I don't really see a candidate challenging him. Um, Mike DeWine, everyone's focused on the Senate race there, but he's got to get out. Um, You do have a challenger. I mean, he's not the Ron DeSantis caliber, but I'll take it. Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma. Again, nothing like DeSantis, despite what people think. We can do so much better. Um, He did the greatest jailbreak in the history. Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, he's a Democrat, he's term limited. you have Shapiro, that radical AG running, but in, in in a year like this we should be able to pick up Pennsylvania and again, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, all these states, you know, people think they have good governors, they don't we could do so much better. Mark Gordon, Wyoming, oh my gosh, what a jerk that guy is. I'm just telling you it if we actually had people that had bigger voices than I did, focusing on, may I use the word, grooming candidates to run in gubernatorial primaries in red states, we could have a different country. What Ron DeSantis is teaching us is that it doesn't have to be this way. And I want to transition into at least one issue, if we don't have time for others, one issue of all, to run this, test theory this thesis by that we've been lied to politically my entire career and that's illegal immigration somehow we've been told that the country is pro-amnesty pro-open borders that somehow our tradition of being a country of immigrants whatever that even means means that we have to have endless cheap third world legal and illegal immigration no limit forever and everyone's for that So it's been standard dogma forever in the party that this is where it's at, that people, you know, you can't talk about that. You'll lose the Hispanic vote. And and then they, of course, ignore everyone else's vote. Um, And it was never true. Every poll that looked at it, all these polls with legal immigration, when you ask people how much legal immigration we have in a given year, they usually think, you know, 200, 300,000. We have 1.1 million, and then not to mention all the, like another million visas and all the foreign students we bring in from China so they could spy on us and engage in trade theft and 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 uh, and, and Iran and, and all these Islamic countries. Um, and we've remade our country. We've destroyed our country. It doesn't have to be this way. It never did. We're always underselling ourselves. Do you know that the latest Quinnipiac poll has Biden at 36% approval, but among Hispanics, they're at 26%. And you find this true across the board, and you find the evidence in you know, the Rio Grande Valley in areas that are heavily Hispanic. You find it with Ron DeSantis, who's the toughest governor on illegal immigration, winning outright the Hispanic vote now, according to the latest polls. On paper, Republicans are finally, finally... Um, stronger than they've ever been on the issue on the one hand at least rhetorically they're a day late and a dollar short as we're going to discuss but um, you know when it comes down to it you would think based on the political consultants and their way of thinking for the past two decades you would think that oh my gosh they, they should be flocking away from Republicans, and yet they're actually going towards them more than any time in history. We've been lied to. I'll never forget, what was it, in 2002 or so? And this was really the pivotal moment, that first term of Bush, when illegal immigration was really reaching critical mass. But it was, you know, millions of illegal immigrants ago, millions of legal immigrants ago. It was after nine eleven. The country was ready to shut down our borders and stop most, you know, you know, put a moratorium on most unneeded legal immigration. We had all the tools to do it. And Bush and all those Republicans were more radically, rabidly pro-open borders than ever before. Tom Tancredo who was a congressman from Colorado at the time. Um, he he. You know, single-handedly fought against it. He formed the Immigration Reform Caucus in the House, and Carl Rove famously said to him, "Don't ever darken the the doorstep of our White House with your presence." And that led to an unimaginable twenty years, culminating with the worst crisis ever. Now, of endless flow of legal and illegal immigrants from the Third World that changed. The fabric of our country, our culture, our our language, our society, our security. You could not quantify the damage that has been done. So, Republicans are finally getting together. The 26 governors did the first step that I have been calling for. They did form a compact, this memorandum that they're going to share information, share intelligence, data. And that's a start. But the problem is this needed to be done when we called for it years ago. Now, anything short of the states getting together and deporting illegals is not going to work. It's a day late and a dollar short because we've already suffered. And that's the consequence of always being too little too late. And not understanding what time it is. And not understanding even when you finally come to the right conclusion on an issue assuming they have not doing what needs to be done in other words you could have a certain level of game whether it's a football game whether it's a baseball game a certain level of of play and that could be enough if you start out let's take baseball in the first inning like that but if you're in the 8th inning and you're down 7-8 runs well that's a different story Okay, you need a totally new game. I think that's what the Florida governor understands, where what other governors don't understand, and that's the sort of candidate we need to find. So let's go through some of what's going on. I just want to give an overview of the unimaginable, unimaginable harm that's going on here. So it was announced in March that they apprehended 221,000 illegals. I remember during the Trump administration complaining about 70, 80, 90,000, how un- unfathomable that was. 221,000 in one freaking month. This is the 14th consecutive month getting above 100,000. That was always the high watermark. You had a month, with had 100,000. We're now 14 consecutive months with Upwards of 100,000 each month, and a number of them, over 200, most of them over 150,000 a month. You cannot imagine that. We've already had over a million apprehensions this year, easily over three, four 400,000 gotaways, which are going to be overwhelmingly a criminal, dangerous element, and 2.7 million since Biden took office. Apprehensions. Okay, gotaways are probably eight, nine hundred thousand. And those are all in this country, by the way, because those weren't turned back. I want you to think about the magnitude of that for a moment and what that does to a country. The overwhelming majority are single adults. Roughly half are from Mexico. Now, a lot are from the Northern Triangle, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, but not as many as before. Record numbers we have now from Cuba, Colombia, Nicaragua, but also from Islamic countries. And now Ukraine too. Oh, and and, and now they just announced they're going to streamline the refugee process while announcing another $800 million to the neo-Nazis there. So we're funding the neo-Nazis, bringing them here. Lovely, just like we did with the Islamic civil wars. Bring both the Sunnis and the Shias. So here we bring in the neo-Nazis. And, um, and fund them over there so they could commit more atrocities. And what this tells me is what people don't understand is the pool of people that if you allow – if you say we have an open border, the pool of people who would come – there's been polls on this before. It's unlimited. If you extrapolate, it would be like one billion people. There's no limit. So you think, okay, maybe we empty out Mexico and Guatemala eventually. No. Now we've opened up another front in Cuba, Colombia, Nicaragua, but Venezuela, Ecuador, too, a lot of South American countries, and then a lot of extracontinental countries as well. ICE is preparing, the Washington Times reported this from a court document from um, Dean Daughtry, ICE's juvenile coordinator, they're preparing to release 600,000 illegals by September, 3,000 a day into our communities. Just in March, they expelled about half of them under Title 42, but CBP released more than 65,000 people in just one month, and they're planning to up that to 100,000 a month, roughly 100,000 a month. ICE already has 3.6 million people on its non-detained docket, meaning those are the people that they targeted for deportation, which usually are the bad guys. Those are the ones they know that they've caught, but they're, they remain in the country at large undetained indefinitely. You understand how many needless sex trafficking, needless drunk driving deaths. That's another thing that's, you know, just like they cover up the COVID shot deaths, the amount of people who die every day at the hands of illegal alien drunk drivers which shock people's consciousness. But yet, rather than Republicans taking an 80-20 issue and beating it on the other team's head, they make it a 20-80 issue and they say, oh, we have to avoid it. See, it's an information war. That's what we're learning with the grooming. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Imagine if my show would be the governing strategy of Republican elected officials. It would move the people. Unbelievable. Hundreds of thousands of convicted criminals remain in this country. And then there's the drugs. There's the drug issue. And the drug issue, this is very important. Like I mentioned earlier on, it ties back into the destruction of this country foisted upon us by... Two generations of Republicans giving into big business interests rather than saying, look, you want to go to a blue state? That's fine. But you're going to operate here. You're going to operate under certain rules and we're going to have E-Verify. We're not going to have this. I've written about this. I've talked about this. Those of you who, who listened to the show before COVID, um, you'll remember that I did a lot of shows on how big ag and the big ag politicians made rural areas a conduit for all the illegal criminal activity just to get day laborers. And one of them is the drug trafficking. In the 12-month period ending November 2021, there were 107,000 drug overdose deaths in the United States. Most of that is from fentanyl laced into the heroin or heroin alone, and things like methamphetamine and cocaine. Most of it's illicit drugs. Okay. I want you guys to imagine what this is going to do to our people, right? We, we, we shut down Americans over the prospect that a virus might kill us, yet not only don't we shut down illegal aliens, but we have the most ever at a time when we have 107,000 in every 12 months, and it's, it's increasing every month. I mean, next year, probably 150,000 and they're mainly younger people, the amount of life years lost. Now look, it ain't me doing drugs, so I could kind of like have a lack of empathy and say, oh, who cares, let them die, you know, all the kind of like the whole pro-drug libertarian thing. And, you know, I could be sympathetic to the pro-drug, or not pro-drug, I mean, I'm never sympathetic to that, but the legalization thing on some level, but it hasn't worked. We de facto have legalized it. At a criminal level, we don't, we, we've legalized it. And we, it's worse than ever. They were saying, oh, that's going to stop it. Because we've never staunched the source of it. And that's the open border, the cartels. Illegal immigration en mass. juices up the drug crisis in three ways. Number one, they carry the drugs. Number two, they serve as decoys for them so they can more get it in easily because you know if you're dealing with a hundred thousand illegals, um, you know a week, then you're not going to have resources to interdict and, and block the criminal activity. Number th- well, it's really four four ways. Number three, the money. Could you imagine two point seven million illegals? But it's not really because you probably have another million. That cross surreptitiously, and those million, the Godaways, they pay a lot more. So the standard peso could be three to five thousand for a family, but if you want to be crossed surreptitiously, if you have a criminal record, if you're a you know a terrorist, if you're a drug runner, if you're a cartel dude, that could be fifteen 000, twenty thousand. You do the math, there, folks. You're talking about tens of billions, hundreds of billions. They have more money than anything. So that money is all going to poison Americans. Okay. That money is going to poison all of us, and then finally, they serve as the distributors, the the distributors in all the cities for the cartels. I understand plenty of Americans get roped into it, but at a primary trafficking level. If those of you who remember, I used to do shows with um. Robert Murphy, I I believe he's still the special agent in charge of DEA's office in Atlanta. He's a really good guy. Um, You know, you do have some good guys in law enforcement, believe it or not. And we used to do shows together a few years ago on this. It's not that they're all illegals, but it's definitely very much driven by illegal immigration. Okay? And what happens is, they often serve as, as... the traffickers because they need to pay off the PISO. They have to pay the cartel for the legal immigration. So anyone who tells you that illegal immigration is not inextricably linked to the drug crisis, that it's not a secret that with the worst illegal immigration wave, we have the worst drug crisis, they're stupid and they don't understand. According to DEA, the distributors for the cartels in our major cities are either cartel associates themselves or Mexican transnational gangs such as MS-13, 9 trade Gangsters, Mexican Mafia, Norteños, Sireños, Latin Kings, or in the Northeast, like in New England, they're mainly the Dominican gangs. According to DEA, these these gangs are, quote, over- overseen by Mexican nationals or U.S. citizens of Mexican origin, they enter the United States legally and illegally and often seek to conceal themselves within densely pop- populated Mexican-American communities. Now, I have a column today linking to a very, I don't have time to get into it, but there's a very important article written a few years ago, 2019, from the Louisville Courier-Journal. Courier um, and it discusses the author is Beth Warren, and it basically discusses it, – it doesn't say it, but if you're smart, you read between the line, lines it, it, it describes. We all know the cities have turned into drug centers, but unfortunately in recent years, and this is more of a recent thing, rural areas have been slammed. If, if, if most primary traffickers are illegals, okay – you would stick out traditionally like a sore thumb in a rural area just because you don't have that demographic. Not anymore. The stupid big ag that created, because they want cheap labor, flooded our rural areas now with these day laborers. So now they could stick out. So they would talk about, for example, the article talked about Kentucky, because it was written there in Louisville, about that where, where they... um. Not, it's not a crop growing there. They're talking about breeding thoroughbreds for the racing, the horse racing industry. Talk about an illegal. They profiled an, an illegal there that worked on a thoroughbred. And in his extra spare time, he um, serviced the drug routes for the Cartel Alisco Nueva Generation. That's one of the um, CJNG, it's one of the major cartels. They basically control the border in the El Paso to Eagle Pass kind of area, you know, West Texas, the border under West Texas. That's that's their fiefdom. Um, and they fight a lot with Sinaloa and other cartels as well. They're extremely violent. They're more violent than ISIS. They are served. We have conduits of CJNG in rural Norman Rockwell's America, brought to you by Republican politicians and the business interests they refuse to stand up to the same big ag that has basically created an artificial monopoly for land use destroyed our food supply um bad food expensive food ethanol it all ties back into that by the way as well as illegal immigration it's all about the bottom line that is the republican party because we were lied to and told that the american people want this this is a quote from that article from Beth Warren. In cases in which immigrants re- resist the cartel's offer, CJNG members often threaten violence to them or their loved ones back in Mexico, according to cases and law enforcement officials. A lot of people don't understand this. So what basically happens, let's say you have Joe, you know, Jose Martinez comes over the border from Mexico or you know Guatemala, whatever. And let's say he's innocuous. A lot of them aren't. A lot of them, you know, they engage in child sex offenses, drunk driving at a minimum. Those two are very common, but I'm not saying they all do. A lot of them do. But let's say he's not going to do any of that. He'll work hard. He wants to work on a farm. Well, guess what? They don't just come over. Anyone who comes over is crossed by the cartels. He's got to pay 5,000 bucks. He doesn't have 5,000 bucks. Cartels have established a network, and we've allowed that because our our government is criminal and they work with the cartels. They've allowed to establish open networks in the United States. So they, they, so to speak, when they cross them over, they look at them in the eye and they say in Spanish, I know where you live. Or at a minimum, they certainly know where their wife or family lives in Mexico. So you will be trafficking X amount of drugs for us in your area. That is the drug crisis that nobody talks about connecting the dots. I noted in my column today, <clears throat> in Sterling Heights, Michigan, two illegal aliens were pulled over. I think a traffic stop, the cops saw suspicious activity. They discovered 20,000 fentanyl pills, 500 grams of powdered fentanyl, Um, and they admitted they were trafficking for for a cartel. They didn't say which one, or at least it wasn't published. It was enough to kill tens of thousands of people, and they were illegal aliens. That is the big, that is the 800-pound gorilla in the room with the drug crisis. I'm not saying you're going to always keep out all the drugs, but, dude, I think we would die to go back to the era of 15 20 years ago when we say the war on drugs failed i think we would die to go back to that level of failure where we had 10 to 20,000 deaths a year then 107,000 and climbing and part of it is the quality of what they're doing it, see you know a lot of people are like well you know people should have the choice but there's a difference between knowing you're taking a certain drug like marijuana or whatever and then poisoning Everyone asks why the cartels would do this. There's different answers to that. It's beyond the scope of today's show, but they're doing it. So these 20,000 pills they found, they're they're counterfeit OxyContin. So a lot of people are looking for OxyContin, and that's a whole other story, ties back into healthcare. We have crappy healthcare in this country. We're not properly treating maladies, so people turn to that, and they can't get it. So they turn to the black market, and that's where a lot of them are dying. They don't mean to die. They're not even kind of the traditional druggies some of these people. Some are, some aren't. They're in pain. They have back pain. We once had someone on the show who lost a daughter to that. She never took heroin, never took any of that stuff, never would if she would know. She fell off a deck randomly one day, crushed her spine, and never got proper treatment, was in a lot of pain, and a friend told her one day, oh, I could get you help. Take this pill. Remember, so you could have a lot, of, a lot of these people come from upper middle class families. They would never, I mean, some of them do get into it, but, but I'm talking about the ones that would never, you know, snort up. And, you know, that's what the cartels have done now. They understand that they took away from the stigma. It's not powder. It's not needles. It's a pill. Oh, here's an Oxycontin pill. It's just like what you would get at the pharmacy. Except it's fentanyl. Half an hour later, they're dead. Terrible stories going on. So it's a level of crisis that is roping in many, many more people. You know, it's not just kind of the traditional druggy families. It's that too. But this could happen to anyone. You know, I have four children. Could happen to your, your children. They can get in with a bad crowd one day. And back in the 60s, all right, so you smoked marijuana one time. Now, because all this stuff, including possibly the marijuana, there is some evidence of that. Certainly the cocaine and meth and heroin is laced with fentanyl. They're dead. They're dead. There's no quality control. So DEA agents would tell me often they'll have a bag where the boyfriend and girlfriend would take from it, but they took from different sides of it. One had a higher concentration. One's dead. One's not. Make one mistake, the guy's dead. They didn't commit suicide. They weren't addicted yet. They didn't spiral. They just made one mistake, they're dead. Or, again, people that are in pain and governments clamping down on pain medication and, you know, now I would argue big pharma got people doped up on that stuff and the more I learn about medicine, there's probably a better way of dealing with it, but it is what it is now and people, you know, need, you know, who rely on it need it. they clamp down on it they can't get it they drive them to the black market they have more illegal immigration and then by the way this comes at a time both with illegal aliens and domestic criminals that were basically legalizing drug trafficking we're not locking them up contrary to you know the accusations that we're throwing people in jail for drugs we don't even throw them in jail for drug trafficking anymore so that's why we have a drug crisis in america So I wanted to discuss that just because I think that's important in and of itself, but I want to rope it back into our thesis today. We are suffering from an unimaginable crime wave, drug wave, cultural problems from illegal immigration because Republicans for 30 years lied to us and they took a winning issue that could have been articulated the way I've articulated this the past half half an hour, and instead they turned it into a losing issue and they lied to us about polls And they lie to us about this and many other issues. And the Florida governor is proving this. It doesn't have to be this way. We could do better if we stayed focused. So I'm going to try to get into some of these primaries. I still believe we need a new party. I'm I'm never giving up on that. Um, We do have more um, COVID bioweapon shot news, too, that I don't have time to get to today. Um... But folks, I will be, unfortunately, I could hear the groaning. I will be out tomorrow. Uh, sorry about that. We'll be back Monday, regular time. Have a terrific weekend. God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.